Hello. Hello. H Hello. Hello. <laughs> that was, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen, oh goodness, what's the show? Now I can't even think of it. Adventure Time. But that was vaguely uh, Lumpy Space Princess. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I had a feeling that's how you would react. No, I, oh, okay. I, I've seen, I've seen it. I, I just, I wasn't what I was going for. Really, it's not a, it's not my usual target. <laughs> you don't usually try to imitate Lumpy Space Princess. No, not so much. LSP. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, that's that's fair. Um, okay, question for you. Yeah. Because I have had this question. Uh, now for a few days, uh, when we were supposed to record a few days ago, Micah, um, do you like, do you like candy? Do you like sweet, sugary candy from the moment it touches your tongue to the moment it's metabolized by your stomach acids? No. Um, I'm just curious, like, is there any candy that is your favorite candy? Uh, I don't, I don't really have much of a sweet tooth, so I don't like candy. Hmm. I'm much more of a savory carbohydrate person. Mm. Yeah. Okay. That's I know. I, I saw your your tweet about how you love candy so much that it's the most important thing ever and all this stuff. But <laughs> I, you'll notice that I didn't weigh in on that tweet because I, I, I just, it's fine. You don't have any feels about it. Yeah. Well, no. so the, the sweet sugary candy tweet is... Uh, quote from the office that always makes me crack up because um dwight schrute the assistant to the regional manager uh michael asks him to basically cover for him on a mistake that michael made having to do with willy wonka um it's it's a long story but basically dwight is being asked to cover for michael who is going to get in trouble by the boss 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 for something stupid that he did and uh, then it turns out that it ends up being a huge boon for the company. And so the boss boss comes in and is like, Dwight, you did such a great job. And Michael expects him to admit that it was actually Michael's idea. And <laughs> Dwight's like, no, you wanted me to do this. So I'm taking it and taking uh, responsibility for it. And so then he's explaining how he totally loves sugar, even though he wasn't allowed to have sugar growing up and uh that is the quote that comes out of it but i actually i do like candy but i was realizing actually i realized it a long time ago because i've had multiple people tell me that my taste in candy is very strange because uh like i just like i like weird candy more than anything else like i don't know root beer barrels and like any kind of mint candy or cinnamon imperials, as I too often tweet about, um, and like black licorice and uh, circus peanuts, which I feel like everybody hates, um, but I do not, and Necco wafers, which is a quote-unquote old person candy. Um, I don't know, I just like weird candies more than a snicker bar, I guess would be like a not weird candy. Uh, so I was curious if you did, but you like um, you like macarons, right? Macarons is that how it's said? Macarons? Uh, macaron, but um. Oh lord. Yeah. <laughs> yep. There you go. Uh, no, I. It's just a. It, I, I. But those aren't candies, though. True. It's, but a, it's, it's a, a sugar, though. Yeah, but they're also not terribly sweet. So that's true. Yeah. 
it, that's probably why I like them. And then also like little tiny fluffy clouds that you don't feel that guilty about. <laughs> oh that's fair that's fair uh yeah i was just curious and um i didn't know if it was going to end in any interesting joe hot takes um but i can accept your answer that's you know (laughs) everybody's allowed to to not be into candy i guess it's no big deal (sighs) um but you know there's 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 a lot going on this week so we should definitely talk about uh uh <laughs> some debauchery and some nonsense, and uh, then go on to complain about technology. Sound fun? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I, I spent the day yesterday um, on Disruption Podcast talking about uh, the Muslim ban and um, basically uh, it's. <laughs> You you'll hear people say, well, you you may depending on like who your circle of of people you pay attention to is, um, you'll hear people say that it is not a Muslim ban, um, but folks, it, it it's a Muslim ban. Um, there is a ninety day ban. This is directly from the executive order, which I spent yesterday reading all the way through. Um, there is a ninety day ban on uh, immigrants from. Muslim majority countries. There is a 120 day ban on the refugee admissions program. Yes, for 120 days, we are not letting refugees into the United States via the refugee admissions program, except in very special cases where the secretary, the secretary of state, the secretary of Homeland Security, and uh, a couple other folks say that it's okay. Um, And uh, after 120 days, only countries that are given permission by the Secretary of State, the Secretary of Homeland Security, and a couple other folks are going to be allowed to enter the country. Uh, Syrian refugees are outright banned by by the President of the United States um, until further notice. Basically, it says until I, uh, and I being Donald Trump, um, decide that it's no longer a quote-unquote threat to the United States. And um, also, (laughs) there's a stipulation that we will not allow more than 50,000 refugees into the United States in all of 2017. Um, I want to read this quote, and then let's break into all of this, because this quote uh, directly from the executive order is the most hypocritical thing I've ever read. Uh, So yeah, the United States cannot and should not admit those who do not support the Constitution or those who would place violent ideologies over American law. In addition, the United States should not admit those who engage in acts of bigotry or hatred or those who would oppress Americans of any race, gender, or sexual orientation. Directly from the horse's mouth, folks, uh, right in the executive order that their quote lies. So, yeah, um, Trump is banning uh, refugees and uh, Muslims from the country uh, until further notice, essentially. Um, And some tech leaders have responded to it. 
some remained quiet for a long time. And then when they were called out and people started to react, then they decided to point people to the fact that they were finally saying something about it. So, Joe, tell me how you feel. Uh, I feel terrible. Um, this was uh, just utter chaos from when it was unveiled last Friday until, uh, well, still. Uh, but uh, there's some hope in that uh, the organizations like the ACLU and uh, uh, some of the other uh, immigrants' rights organizations were able to uh, get in place some temporary restraining orders uh, in certain courts. Now, there are varying stories about uh, whether or not um, uh, the Border Patrol was accepting uh, these things in a timely fashion. Um, there are several cases of people who were actually uh, very quickly deported on Saturday, and then the judge... Uh, there was a, one case in particular in L.A. where the someone had been deported uh, from the U.S. back to Iran, where he was supposedly going to maybe die um so i'm the but you know i'm, I'm gonna not completely trust that because i haven't seen any elaboration on what that was but still it's not good to just deport people that you told could come over so um she actually dispatched uh, uh an order that they needed to go get him and bring him back to the court basically uh so he he was able to come back through LA yesterday, um, and uh, th this was after being detained and all of this nonsense. And there was a big ceremony with like the mayor of Los Angeles and stuff like that. And they got him through uh, customs. Um, it, it, it's it's total chaos. Like this this stuff shouldn't be happening. Uh, there are other people who have been detained for hours. Uh, uh, children that have been handcuffed. A a child who was five years old, and uh, when the White House press secretary was asked about it, he's he basically said that the, uh, they don't know whether or not the child could be trusted. Uh, <sighs> it's, I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Uh, what he, I don't remember his exact remarks, but it, it's, it's not good stuff. And this, this, this policy is so haphazard and uh, cruel that it was very easy for these local federal judges to strike down uh, what was happening and say, yeah, you, you can't do that. Um, however, you know, that's, it's not permanent, uh, but, uh, in each case, the federal judges said it is, um, like there's no reason why these people shouldn't be here while you're deciding whatever it is you're going to decide. So they need to be here. And, uh, that has gone down in Boston and in LA and in, uh, various courts throughout the country. And now the, uh, attorney generals of, or is that attorneys general? Um, att the attorney generals <laughs> of uh, several states are suing, and some of the tech companies have even joined in those suits, um, uh, filing briefs with the court, uh, including Amazon and Microsoft, uh, in the case of Washington State, uh, where their headquarters reside. So uh, it's not great. Uh, it's total chaos, and it seems mostly um to be a cruel way to uh do damage to uh people coming in uh to the country and to our trust and standing in the world uh mm -hmm. for no particular reason um and it doesn't appear that this was well thought out or implemented because they've walked back green cards a few times and they've settled on uh a case by case waivers um which is bonkers 
because that basically means that every single time someone with a green card leaves or comes back and they're from one of the affected regions, they can be uh, detained and questioned and uh, possibly denied access uh, mm-hmm. through the waiver system. So it's it's absolutely absurd. Um, I, I don't support this policy at all, and many don't. Uh, there's been a roundup of all the tech company responses because they have large immigrant workforces uh, and uh, companies like uh, Amazon and uh, Microsoft, which I had already mentioned, um, as well as Apple, uh, some of the uh, smaller companies, let's say, like uh, uh, Airbnb and uh, Lyft and some of the others have have come out very publicly against them. Um, And not just filing statements against it, but uh, in the case of Lyft and a few others actually donating money directly to the ACLU, uh, Google started a, a fund, a matching fund, where they would match funds up to uh, two point. I think it was two point two or two million, um, and then uh, in, in, with employees matching the other parts, so then you wind up with a four million uh, donation to the like uh, the ACLU, um, and then several of the other rights groups that are fighting these cases. So it's sort of a combined thing. Uh, and uh, some of the other companies, like Apple, supposedly have uh, changed their their donation matching policy, so that's two for one for the ACLU. So it's it's a definite negative response for Silicon Valley, which relies on on these programs. Um, unfortunately, some of the companies have not all come out against this in a strong fashion. And it has actually damaged them significantly. Uh, I'm thinking specifically, of course, of Uber. Um, Uber's never been a great company. Like they have They're lots gross. of yeah, they have lots of weird, sketchy, gross stuff going on. But most of the time, people don't care because it doesn't um, affect them or people around them, um, and they don't see the the impact of of uber's policies usually and i do want to say like on that note it's it's and it's super important i think to uh differentiate between uber the corporate entity and uber the folks who are literally trying to make either extra money or a full-on living uh using the service to you know to pull in that extra money um because like it's it's not uber drivers uh who are the who are the problem in this case? I mean, there you know there there have been some situations, but for the most part, it's honest people trying to make money uh, versus Uber the corporation. Yeah, well, the thing with that is that those people aren't Uber because they're contractors. So uh, when you when you work for Uber, you're not really an employee of the company. Um, that's why they. It's one of the the fun things about the, the these things where you can you can get around certain things like healthcare, et cetera. Um, so, Travis, the CEO, um, put out some sort of mealy mouth statement about this, uh, and uh, there was a JFK protest that was occurring, um, where uh, basically I think like four floors of the uh, one of the the complex by the international terminal was taken over by people with uh, with protesting with signs peacefully, I might add. Um, and the taxi uh, cab union in New York 
uh, was with was against this this uh, this ban as well. So they are with the protesters, and they decided to cancel uh, all cab service to the airport. In response, Uber removed uh, surge pricing. News of Uber removing surge pricing to basically uh, a lot of people were saying scabbing, but uh, it's technically not. Uh, exactly what that is i mean right <laughs> but the but they, they they were basically offering to do the the work without the extra normal surge price um for the higher uh volume and and step in for the cab companies which were doing a protest and that didn't go over well um turns out a lot of uber's customer base uh is they're very connected uh tech savvy individuals who use social media uh and funk and can see uh negative things uh spread like wildfire and so uh travis had another message where he's just like uh yeah we don't support the we'll we'll do the thing with the drivers (laughs) we'll protect the drivers and i should say it's a good thing that they were offering legal services and uh to um help for any drivers who were stuck outside of because this also impacted some people who drove for the company it was like Mm -hmm. if you were someone who works for us who's outside of the com- company will pay uh, for you for up to three months for the period of time that you're outside of the United States. Um, so it's not like they're, they didn't have a completely evil stance, but they did not take a hard line against this in the way that other companies were. Meanwhile, Lyft does the uh, uh, 1 million to the ATLU over the next two years. Um, and this, uh gives them even more bad press delete uber starts uh hashtag delete uber and that spirals way out of control uh and people one of our most popular articles was the how-to on deleting uber yeah because it it wasn't just about deleting the app it was about deleting the account to send a message and the message was sent because yesterday uh the new york times uh, released a piece about the number of drivers, uh, a number of uh, users of Uber who had canceled, and it was 200,000. Um, so almost a quarter million uh, people have pulled out of that service uh, in the span of a week. Uh, so that's not normal. Um, and th- I don't think the company really thought this through. Uh, they had another response when when that was out uh when they were saying oh well you know just because i'm on his business thing because he was another main issue was that he was uh, an advisor to the president um on on one of the the business advisory uh panels things and uh, he's just because i'm on that doesn't mean that i support uh this immigration ban and people need to you know separate the two and blah blah blah, blah and people weren't having it uh and so he withdrew from that advisory position uh, effective yesterday and uh, issued a statement about it. And it's one of those things where I don't think he, uh, I don't think he wanted to go off of that thing had two hundred thousand people not uh, mm-hmm. protested. So that that's bad. Now, who else is on that panel? Is of course Elon Musk, uh, and he's still going because he's like, hey, you know what? Um, I think he's just saying all the wrong things and like it's not even just saying all the wrong things I feel like he believes all the wrong things in this situation and it's uh it's it's very frustrating seeing him try to navigate the situation and like ask 
us to help him talk to President Trump about how the ban is a bad idea. And it's like, you really need help deciding that the ban is a bad idea anyway. Yeah, no, he he has made several ridiculously uh, poorly thought out responses to this on Twitter. Um, he he's he's I don't know. Uh, there there's some part of me that thinks he doesn't really connect with the issues facing yeah <laughs> most people. Um, but uh, he's very focused on uh his vision of the future, and in order to do that, he feels like he needs government cooperation, which means he needs to cooperate with anyone. Um, rather than resign from this board and send a message that uh the actions that the president is taking is wrong, but um, whatevs, uh, there's not much more to do with that. Now, some other people have responded in Silicon Valley, have responded by uh, sort of feeling like they've grown a conscience over a couple of days. And so companies like Twitter have made big statements about uh, anti-harassment stuff that they're doing going forwards. And it's like, wow, way to move that on that in a timely fashion guys and mm. uh they uh, have also privately donated uh, some money to the aclu um there is also uh th- uh the stuff with uh y combinator um which is a, a silicon valley startup incubator where they just sort of get ideas going uh and part of y combinator um uh Peter Thiel has some involvement, so he's 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 a delightful fellow because he supports Trump vociferously and uh, oh. is is awful. Um, and uh, but it's led by Sam Altman, um, who is uh, gay and uh, also against uh, the Trump policies. He's just sort of weak on this stuff in the past. And so he, he runs the site like Hacker News, where a lot of Silicon Valley types talk. And they all talk about how basically, oh, well, you can't really prove that anything bad is happening from anything. And there's nothing you really do to police free speech and blah, 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 oh, blah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And uh, Reddit has finally banned their... Um, uh, th- what was the name of the fascist subreddit? Alt-right. Yeah, that's gone. Um, but you know, how long did that take? I mean, way too long is how long it took. I mean, people have been calling for this for a long time because of the fact like there, you know, there was, there were direct relations between that and harassment happening in the real world. And, uh, you know, basically using that platform to sort of organize, um, hate groups and, have real effects in the real world. And so it was not a, it was was just all around, not a good thing to exist. And so, uh, people have been saying, you need to get rid of this. You need to ban this group. You need to ban this group. It, it doesn't match up with who you're supposed to be as an organization, Reddit or whatever. Yeah. They, they picture themselves as like a news company on occasion. They're like, we're changing the world with the news that we we have all the citizen journalism where people will say the wrong things about it, whatever image that happens to pop up. I mean, how many times have they incorrectly identified someone in a, in a protest crowd video or a photo and they said, oh, that must be the suspect. And they start circulating somebody's private Facebook information. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I remember uh, specifically 
one situation where, you know, then they kind of showed the story of the person who was wrongly accused of being this bad person. And someone actually came into the guy's work and started to accuse him of having done uh, I, I apologize because I can't remember which situation this was. Um, and the guy was like, I've literally been at work all day and it almost got violent. So yeah, I don't, I, I really don't trust anything that comes from Reddit except for like keyboard shortcuts on the Mac. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that a lot of people have a rosy view of it because they only go to one part of Reddit and don't perceive the rest of it. And I feel like that's part of the reason why there's, uh, so much of a disconnect with this stuff where when pe- when it does bubble up in the news on uh, some of these websites and people say, oh, uh, this terrible thing somebody said over here. Well, I guess that's probably not everybody. You'd have to show me the data on like w- w- like how terrible those people are really being. Like, can you really prove anybody's thinking terrible thoughts? And it's like, OK, fine. <laughs> like, I don't know where to start winning you over on this. But uh, anyway, um, I think some of these Silicon Valley uh, people are starting to realize that perhaps – um, giving unfettered access and uh, a platform to uh, people who have despicable views has some real-world consequences uh, because many of these people who are these uh, harassers, who are these um, uh, people who meet and organize and t- talk about doxing or harassing other people, they uh, have th- have been given a-, a safe space to do so uh, by the lack of conviction on what to do about it um so it's it's depressing even even in light of this movement i i I, it's just like okay so that's not gonna it's not gonna get donald trump out of office exactly exactly um yeah yeah, i mean i I think that's a a good a good way to um kind of look at everything well good in the sense that i feel like it's accurate is um you know these tech companies are moving to uh, to to bring protections and um, to, in many cases, you know, just try to be good folks doing good things. Um, but ultimately, yeah, it's uh, it's there's just so much. I mean, every day, every day you wake up and you read. Well, if you decide to read about it, you read about so much more. Uh, that's happening. Um, last night, while we were recording the show, uh, Republicans rolled back the uh, regulation that the Obama administration put in place that said that those with severe mental illness should not be allowed to buy guns. So, uh, in other words, those with severe mental illness are now allowed to buy guns. Awesome. Yeah, um, well, and it, the the really shocking part about that just so people understand like how they measure that because it sounds so uh like a weird thing like oh how could you even tell like that's just a way of the state you know saying they don't have to give you something and, it, and it, it's not because these are people who um cannot collect their uh social security benefits uh they can't work uh th- that's how they're classifying um the kind of uh the kind of position that they're taking on who should not have access to one so removing that basically seems to send a weird signal because yes that it doesn't the exact problem yeah (laughs) yes it's like we've removed the restriction on gun control it's like but why like 
I don't know. Because I understand there are a lot of advocates out there for uh, restrictions being lessened, etc. But there's there's no particular reason for this one to not be in place. Um, and it, it's uh, not not heartening. But, uh, but bringing up things that have been removed already and uh, things that are being put in place... Um, one positive thing is the the like the five calls app um, service that is, mm-hmm. has come out. Uh, uh, companies like Workflow have put out uh, buttons basically that you can put into workflows to, to call representatives and stuff. So uh, I th- I think while it might be too little, too late in some contexts, uh, it's at least encouraging that people haven't completely given up hope on this yet uh and and so that's that's something yeah i mean i i've been um this is the first time that i have ever felt spurred into action to the point that i've actually called representatives and um you know in in some cases yes there is uh there's some cynicism but at the same time i think you know, what is the other option? The other option is to stand by and watch this stuff unfold without having any sort of of, of voice in this and to try to make change happen. Um, so I certainly, you know, encourage others to, um, you know, if you're in a place where you can, to choose action over complacence um, in these situations and uh, stand up for what you believe in. Uh, and... I think that that, you know, even though it can feel helpless at some points and it can also feel as though, uh, you know, you're a small blip on the radar, uh, I think, you know, f- for for your own sake, um, it's all, at least for me, it's been a relief to, uh, you know, taking all this news in and being frustrated by so many of these things, um, turning that frustration into action in any way has been therapeutic. Uh, and I, I think, yeah, I mean, our rights as citizens is to stand up on these types of things. And I also think that in some cases, this has been working. Um, I'm sure many of you have seen the uh, different tweets kind of fly by talking about uh, representatives actually citing calls and things like that as being part of the reason why they chose to make the decision that they chose to make. So these protests and these calls and the money being donated to the ACLU and all these things are having an effect, um, whether it results in the dismissal and removal of um, DT is a whole nother story for a whole nother day. But uh, in the meantime, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's still important to uh, to act when you can. And um, I encourage everybody to, on top of looking at these different apps and things like that, um, lots of celebrities are still celebrities and, and people who are uh, well off uh, tech leaders and things like that are still doing uh, donation matching. Um, so check out, you know, there, you could probably type into Google like ACLU donation matching. Um but check out Twitter, check out, you know, a Google search, what have you. Uh, if you do want to make a donation to any of these organizations, um, do that first because you might get your donation matched by uh, 
somebody who who is in the position to match that for you. So that's been pretty cool too. And um, in one weekend, the ACLU raised more money uh, via the fundraising efforts than by via the donations than it ha- than it usually does in a year. Um, so that's really incredible, and uh, that's awesome. Then you know there are lawyers that can go out and uh, fight these things. And that gets, you know, these refugees who need uh, safe harbor in our country into our country and past these terrible, ridiculous, foolish bans in place. Yeah. And I, I hope that, uh, like you said, that we continue to see progress. And I'm going to try to be as optimistic as possible. But as uh, people who were probably following me on Twitter or other areas of my life, I've noticed that uh, there's an increasingly high volume of anxiety <laughs> around around me. Um, but uh, let's let's probably transition from here. Yeah. Uh, and we we will move on to things that we are probably more capable of competently discussing. Um, <laughs> and uh, that that would be uh, the. Uh, the monitor that you have some opinions about with DisplayPort and daisy chaining. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I, I got some thoughts. Um, so while back, I uh, so I had a Dell UT blah 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 blah. Basically, what it was is one of those ultra wide monitors. So super wide, but not very tall. Um, and then I had a Thunderbolt um, display. And I have had that Thunderbolt display for years now, um, and it works. It's fine. Uh, it's not very high resolution um, in terms of uh, pixel density. I don't know if that's the same thing, but the, the, the pixel density isn't great. You can see the pixels very clearly, and uh, I am not a huge fan of that fact. So uh, I'm also not a huge fan of having mismatched sized displays. Uh, and I never liked that. And then also when it came to like having these displays on my desk, I wanted them to look matchy because it just makes me feel better about things. So I got two, uh, Dell, let's see what this model is. Dell U, uh, where is it? Dell U2415s, um, which are... It's a beautiful name. Yes, right? They're, it's, it's such a beautiful name. Um, Dell UltraSharp monitors, they are 24-inch monitors, uh, and they have kind of like a – it's a 16-10 aspect ratio as, as opposed to a 16-9 aspect ratio, uh, which I like. I like the, the little bit more length because – when I'm writing, <clears throat> hmm, when I'm writing articles, <laughs> moving on, when I'm writing articles and things like that, it's nice to, oh my God, I can't even say any of this anymore. It's nice to have that extra link at the bottom uh-huh. so that I can see more of what's on the page, Joe. Okay. Uh, so I have two of those. And I'm also ridiculous when it comes to uh, plugging things into the computer where if I could, I would live in a world where I didn't have any wires at all, but I can't live in that world. So I prefer to have one wire, right? That'd be nice. So you just take one wire and you plug it into the computer and then you also put in the charging, uh, cord and then everything works fine and dandy and there are two displays. Um, so I was expecting I'd be able to do that. And typically what you would do 
is uh, DisplayPort, uh, at least the most recent um, iteration of DisplayPort, allows daisy chaining, which for those who don't know, basically means that you have, uh, so you have your computer and you plug in one device to the computer and then you have a second device that instead of plugging it directly into the computer, you plug it into the first device and then the connection, you know, magically gets its way back to the computer. So you can kind of chain those along and you end up only having one cord running to the computer. So I was like, yeah, man, I'm going to have these daisy chain displays. I'm going to plug one display port into my Mac. It's going to be fantastic. I'm so excited about it. Plug it in. Both monitors are showing the same exact thing on screen. Okay, this is weird. So start, you know, searching for help on this. I'm told that you have to put the the first display into the most recent iteration of DisplayPort, like DisplayPort 1.2. And then you put the second display in 1.1 because there's something about like having to have a termination signal and blarty, 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 blar. <laughs> okay, I'll wow, try that's that. that's like scuzzy. Yeah, sure. Yes. Oh, that... God, you're so young. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not working. Can't figure anything out. Turns out, <sighs> macOS, uh, yes, folks, the software, macOS, does not support DisplayPort daisy chaining. And the reason that I'm, you know, differentiating here is because it turns out that the hardware, my MacBook Pro, the hardware supports daisy chaining because yes, folks, if you boot into Windows and daisy chain your displays, they'll work just fine. Uh, so they are disabled in the software for DisplayPort daisy chaining. And uh, I looked into this and found some mumblings in different forums about where this might come in or the reason this comes into play. And uh, folks suggest that the reason is because Apple supports Thunderbolt daisy chaining. And so they basically don't like like a mismatch where folks think that, um, you know, DisplayPort into Thunderbolt into blarty blarty blar would work. But uh, if you if you have a Thunderbolt cord and you connect the Thunderbolt display, and then you connect another one to that, then that would work, but uh, the DisplayPort does not. I think that's a load of heaping poo emoji, um, but, you know, it is what it is. Basically, what I have now is three cords. I have my power cord, and I have a, a uh, Thunderbolt cord, and I have a DisplayPort cord. So one monitor is directly connected to the computer via DisplayPort. The other one is connected via HDMI to a Thunderbolt um, external dock thingy that I have where I have all of my other peripherals installed. So um, my audio, uh, the Ethernet uh, cord, and USB cords, etc., are connected to this dock, which then connects over Thunderbolt directly to the MacBook, and then one other display connects directly to the MacBook via uh, DisplayPort. But every day in my mind, there's this little like I don't know, it's like a a wrinkly finger with a sharp fingernail just scratching at my brain saying one of these is connected over HDMI and one of them is over DisplayPort and doesn't that just bug the crap out of you? And I'm like, yes, wrinkly finger with a sharp fingernail. It does bug the crap out of me. So yeah, that's that's my complaint. 
Okay. It's very specific. <laughs> so, Joe, you don't you don't use uh, dual monitors. You told me you've uh, with your computer. You just use a single display. Uh, I, well, I use dual monitors at work um, all day, and I wouldn't want to have a single monitor for my job. But because I don't do my work at my home, um, I only have the display of my MacBook, uh, and that's it. Um, a lot of people have external displays, but I just don't like plugging and unplugging and things and different window sizes and stuff. So it's just, it's fine. Uh, but that's also a reason why I use the 15 inch laptop instead of using a, a 13 inch laptop. Cause I think the screen's too small, but whatevs, uh, I ha- ha- still would, it, like if I was doing work at home, uh, th- this displays port issue would affect me greatly. I'm sure. But right now, not so much. <laughs> which is fair um but yeah i mean it, it's oh my goodness how specific and how uh first world problem of me uh to complain about this well like i i i get that it's uh it's a very ridiculous thing at the same time i would expect that if the hardware capabilities are there then i should be able to access those capabilities um whenever i am you know doing the darn thing so that's that's what's most frustrating about it is knowing that the uh you know the availability exists i'm just unable to access it yeah i agree with you on that uh 100% um and but just to segue i i would say that this is certainly not the uh not the most talked about thing in display news right now um <laughs> The LG Ultrafine display, a result Ultra of fine. Y- yeah, the result of the uh, a deal between LG and Apple uh, for them to make this cheapo plastic thing with with ports and stuff. <laughs> um, it it has some issues, and uh, it can't be within two meters of a uh, of a router. Um, it it uh, it's very sensitive. It's very sensitive, um, and. Uh, it doesn't really seem like super well thought out because they have all of these these tiny little problems. But uh, yeah, I got to say, I wonder if that's a re- I don't know if that's a reason why Apple didn't make their own or if that's a, a reason why Apple should have made it. So they would test all of these things. But uh, the, the quality seems to be absent from this product. Yeah, I was actually uh, pretty surprised and upset about this um, because I, you know, I was very excited about the ultrafine displays whenever they were first announced. And um, what I liked is that there was finally a modern display that had the same technology built in as the Thunderbolt displays of yesteryear. Again, going back to me liking as few cords as possible. Um, it had the, you know, the dock built into it on the back where you could plug in, um, in this case, USB-C peripherals. Uh, so you kind of had to dongle up, but it also, if you got the 5k monitor, it had, uh, the eyesight camera built in, um, it had speakers built in and all that jazz. And so that's what I liked about the Thunderbolt display and what kept me using it for so long is the fact that. I had the speakers right there. No, they're not great, but it was fine for me. Um, then I had all of my USB stuff plugged into the back as well as Ethernet plugged into the back. And then I just plugged in the Thunderbolt display, excuse me, the Thunderbolt cord and the 
power was built right onto uh, the cord as a separate unit. Well, with the uh, LG displays, it will actually charge your device and serve as the Thunderbolt connection all from the same one cord, which is like Micah heaven. Um, so I was really excited about this <laughs> this thing. I thought that was super cool. Um, and then, yeah, some some complaints started to roll out. And the most recent one, which is just bonkers and foolish and so silly. I mean, think about the fact that most people have their routers in the same room that they're going to be using these displays because that's usually that's just usually how it works. Like I, my, I you know, I could turn around and see my um Apple router sitting on the table behind me in the home office and I don't I this this is just silly. So basically what it does is uh the the Wi-Fi signal um just thing, makes things like cease to function. You plug it in and it's just not working. Yeah. Um, I, it, I guess it's not properly shielded or something. I, yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. That, it's, but that's ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. Um, they say that they apologize for the inconvenience and any displays that are made uh, after February of 2017. So, yes, folks, uh, this is not going to kick in, I guess, until March 1st. Um, they will be fitted with enhanced shielding. We should have installed that shielding in the first place. Yeah, I, I don't know. Should, what? <laughs> I don't know how this wasn't tested for, because uh, companies do all kinds of interference testing all the time, like to make sure your uh, uh, a radio doesn't interfere with your TV, to make sure that your computer doesn't interfere with your toaster oven. Like, uh, there's there's reasons why people test shielding, so I don't know how they missed this. This was bizarre, but... At least there is a fix around the corner, but there's going to be a, a lot of very unhappy people about it, uh, a, a lot of unhappy people dealing with it, um, especially since these were the early adopters who were sold on this idea uh, in uh, October, November? When was it? November. Uh, mm -hmm. And then finally bought all this stuff in December, pre-ordered, so that it would start shipping. And then once all the stuff starts coming in, it's just like, oh, this is actually garbage. Uh, so it's not... It's not a great way to um, make your pro customers feel fantastic about this. Not a good look, Apple. No. Not a good look. Or LG and Apple. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I, I, and I do blame both of them because this is a very specific product. Uh, mm -hmm. And it was a big deal uh, that Apple pointed to this specific thing and said, hey, get one of these. So uh, that egg on the face of, of Phil Schiller, I guess. <laughs> But uh, anyway, uh, there are some other quality issues. Like, I don't know if you saw, but uh, uh, my boyfriend's keyboard, the 8 key, stopped working for a little bit, but seems to be working now. Uh, and I know that uh, some other people have had issues with certain random keys not working on their MacBook mm -hmm. Pros. Uh, and it seems to be somehow related to the beautiful key mechanism that... The, Everyone hates uh, the, that butterfly. Butterfly, yeah. dirtle, dirtle, dirtle. I can't even think of what it's called. Yeah, uh, the, the the butterfly key mechanism has uh, some issues apparently, or at least the manufacturing process, I assume. Um, and if one key is doing this now, I just picture in my mind like what's going to happen like oh, next boy. year, like over, and then the year after that, like over time, like do the are the switches just going to like internally catch every now and then or stop working in some way? Uh, anyway, 
we'll deal with that. But yeah, it's but it's it's frustrating, and it's I mean this is no small price uh, for either the MacBook Pro or the uh, LG displays. These are very expensive machines, and you know that's it, I there are some there's sometimes where I'm like. Okay, you know, things happen, early adopter, blah, blah, blah. But that is just so far. Whenever I first saw this, I I genuinely, hands down, I thought this was some sort of like a parody thing and someone was making a joke. I honestly did when I first saw the headline fly by and I started reading and I was like, this is not a joke. The router literally does not work because of, I mean, the, the display literally does not work because of a router nearby. That is mind-bogglingly stupid. Yeah. So, yeah, that's frustrating. That's technology, like, this just should have been tested. Anyway, yeah. we've said that plenty of times now. Um, what else is going on? Anything else? Well, <laughs> speaking of Apple, they had uh, uh, record revenue. Um, notice revenue. Not, not profit. <laughs> it's just different. But record revenue. Um, and they... Uh, sold a bunch of iPhones uh, in the holiday quarter, and they did a bunch of stuff in the holiday quarter, and Macs even ticked up slightly. Uh, the, the thing that's not doing so well would be the iPad, um, which is uh, down again for Evs. Um, and uh, Jason Snell over at Six Colors charted uh, it and said the iPad keeps frowning because it has a <laughs> this this arcing downward trajectory where it seems to have hit a bit of a plateau in in 2016 quarter two uh through quarter four and then it's going down again (laughs) so Mm. yeah it's not it's it's a product that's just not going anywhere um and marco arment on his site uh had also asked you know like when is this going to go anywhere like uh, it's supposed to be the future of computing, but this doesn't really look like the future of computing kind of trajectory that you're seeing. So, I have to I have to agree with them. That doesn't really seem like it's an alluring product that is attracting lots of people in the market. And uh, while it might be good for many people, um, it, it doesn't seem to be a business that's booming. Yeah, um, I, I think so. I. F- feel like that in and of itself is uh not a big deal like that it's not this huge gigantic business for apple um where i see it being an issue is how clearly um how clearly much tim cook loves ipad um and it loves the ipad we're not doing loves loves ipad we're not we're not doing that here hey we uh you don't rule my life um it, like it, almost to a point of being uh you know ignoring <laughs> ignoring factors it's like one of those plug your ears and say la 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 type of things where um even though these you know this this data is out here there does seem to be a lot of attention paid like i don't i don't, I don't take it to a point where I think that, you know, just because something's not doing well, then we should suddenly just stop paying any attention to it at all and maybe get rid of it. I very much love my uh, 9.7 inch iPad Pro and I don't want them to stop iterating on the iPad. But what I do think is important is like looking at businesses that are 
within the company that are doing well and uh, focusing on those and maybe um, not focusing so much attention on something that continues to uh, not do superbly well for them. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I personally don't take it as far as like, let's kick the iPad because it's not a good market for the company, uh, which seems to be kind of the case of, of what some folks are saying. Um, but for me, like it's, it's still a very cool product. And I think, uh, you know, I've said this plenty of times on other shows, but like my 9.7 inch iPad pro is my hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy. Like it's the device that I, uh, pictured taking with me all over, all, you know, tarnation, um, <laughs> all over the galaxy, uh, because it's just, it's, it's a very, very, very nice device. I very much love it. Oh, don't forget um, your towel. Right. And I actually have a towel that says don't panic, um, <laughs> which I adore. Uh, so yeah, I think, um, while it's, yeah, I, I've said, I've said it now like three times, but that those are my feels on, on this. Uh, oh, but, oh, okay. Uh, but I, I would say that while a lot of people have love for this and this device category, um, that, uh, I don't feel like it has, uh, substantially evolved over the course of time and that what it is best at perhaps is still, uh, video. And that's a market where, there's a an easier way to get in and display video at a substantially reduced price than this but um it ha it, it has it's a form factor that has promise it's just it's not uh i think the software is really what's holding it back mostly like yeah. it, it's powerful hardware um but there's no compelling stuff for a lot of people now there are writing apps and there are a lot of writers that use it but there are certain tasks that you can't really perform efficiently on it and that's not changing over the course of time like i will i will just name the kind of work that i do there is no way to do the kind of work that i do on the ipad there doesn't have to be what i do is very niche it's not a big market but the fact that it doesn't exist as something you could do is kind of a sign that it can't support a diverse range of uh, workflows right now because of the way that it's designed software-wise, architecturally. It's very limited in what it can do. And also in terms of business models, um, everything has to come from the App Store. And while that's fantastic for Apple and they make a lot of money off of uh, people buying coins and whatever Candy Crush game they're playing, um, that is not good for companies like Adobe or uh, the Foundry or Autodesk, et cetera, uh, other major players where they would need to basically make an substantial investment in rewriting their entire code base to work on this platform where it's going to do less and they'd have to get people to all consider subscriptions um, in order to do the work that they're doing. Now, Adobe has been moving people onto subscriptions for a long time, but they're, they're, subscriptions um and that's that's a very important distinction uh so it's it's not produced um adobe apps that are of the quality and caliber of the desktop apps uh no matter what you may think of adobe 
apps <laughs> they're required for many people and right. there's there's no way to get anything like the uh, the apps the foundry makes on there and autodesk's uh apps instead they make all of these companies make little tiny things that kind of do like one cutesy little photo effect <laughs> like every everyone <laughs> everyone has a filter and so they'll they'll have their their photo app that will do some filter or photo adjustment etc and it's like okay well that's cute but where is the power and it doesn't exist and there's no financial incentive for them to to develop for this platform um so i i i just uh i am skeptical for that reason that e yeah. even if the hardware continues to evolve at a rapid pace um, and we see an even more powerful iteration of the processor that's inside of this machine, and it gets thinner and uh, uh, more powerful at the same time. Um, oh, God. I don't need it to be any thinner. Every, everybody needs it to be thinner. Um, no, they don't. Uh, just just Johnny Ive. He, 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 I mean, but regardless, uh, even if it gets even more powerful, it's not going to do more things. It's still effectively ha hamstrung by the way that uh, applications can work on the platform and by the app store um you need to look no further than the mac desktop to see that none of these vendors really use the mac app store because they have no incentive to do so uh so it's why you kind of have the same experience there in either app store where it's like yeah so why should we bother with this for our professional application oh right we shouldn't and they don't and that's 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 where we are um, and regardless of the number of Adobe demos that you can have where they come up on stage and they're like, look, we can, uh, use this pen to do, uh, I'm sorry, we can use this Apple pencil to do this, uh, beautiful calligraphy thing. And it's like, okay, where does that go when you're done with it? Oh yeah, that's, that's it. That's all it does. Okay. Fantastic. Thanks. So I can, I can especially see, you know, why it would ruffle some, some feathers or, you know, give people pause or worry them whenever there is this, uh, what is the term, this narrative out there that this device is the future of computing, um, when for so many people, it's simply, you know, not powerful enough, or doesn't even seem like it could get to a place where it could be powerful enough. So I see where you're coming from with that. And, and frankly, for me too, like, it is not the future of computing for me, even despite the fact that I do absolutely adored the device no for me it's not it's it's a secondary device where i get my work done is still on the mac or if i needed to i could get it done on a pc because most of the stuff that i do happens um in you know applications that are just text editors and uh photo editors and stuff like that so I I definitely get it. You know, you have this whole like a wave of narratives coming by saying, come on, dude, ride the wave to the future of computing. And you're like, but I'm over here happily anchored and everything's fine. And I don't ever like I, I don't want Apple to give up, you know, their focus on making devices like the Mac um, for the sake of you know, riding the wave, brother. So I hope that, uh, you know, attention is still paid and that um, even though, 
you know, Tim Cook might see the iPad as or iPad <laughs> as the future of computing. It doesn't necessarily mean that that's the case because I think there's still so many people who have to have that power and those, you know, two non-daisy chain displays hooked up with uh, <laughs> you, Bluetooth keyboard and all that. Yeah, you couldn't even daisy chain your displays on your iPad. There you go. <laughs> but uh, uh, I mean, uh, but in terms of tablets for like you're saying consumption, like how you love having that for uh, for those reasons, I have a, a Fire Tablet, the seven inch Fire Tablet for fifty dollars. That was fine. It wasn't great, um, and I mostly bought that just so I could read comics on it. And then when they had the Black Friday sale last November, um, where they had the the new Fire HD8 that they had introduced in September-ish, somewhere around there, um, on sale for like $66 instead of $89. So I was like, okay, fine. And so I bought that, and it's... I I would say it's uh, not a beautiful display. It doesn't have tons of horsepower or play games or whatever, but I wasn't doing any of those things anyways. So again, it's just a better comic book and magazine reader and, and watch movies on it on Amazon Prime video streaming. Like, super easy. It's, it's, that's what it does. And for $66, like, it's really hard to beat that argument, um, with, uh, any of Apple's products, uh, that you can't, you can't get a mini for $66. Right. Um, or 89. Uh, so, and that's not a, that's not an area where I feel like Apple needs to compete because obviously the Amazon product is, uh, hardware wise, substantially inferior and, uh, flimsy. And like physically flimsy, it, it has a, a plastic back. Um, it doesn't feel like it's creaking and falling apart, but like it flexes if you touch it because that's what it is. But in the in regards to my house, I don't care. Um, someone who's like writing in a cafe would never, ever, ever <laughs> uh, stoop to that level. But uh, let's probably move on and wrap this up, uh, just because that's. It's. I mean, the iPad's not going to go anywhere. I feel. I feel like it's going to continue to remain as stagnant as it has been for quite some time. Um, whenever they have their spring event and model refresh, we'll see a far more powerful system, and maybe they'll add better uh, multitasking or something. Because um, I hear. I hear that's something that people complain about. Yeah. Yeah. Some. Some. Some folks complain about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't ever see a windowed model on iPad, uh, on the iPad, on iPad. Uh, so just pretend like I'm saying the uh, in, in your mind and mm-hmm. everything will be fine. Um, it would be like uh, Mr. Robot where the glitch happens in your brain and you just know that I said the. Um, wha- oh, do you want to round things out talking about Apple TV, the Apple TV? Yeah. God, I can't do this, Joe. I'm going to say it how okay, I say it. You, you just say it how you say it, but I'm going to say how I say it, and we'll, we'll just Perfect. we'll just deal with it. We'll just be we'll just... two people from two different worlds getting along. <laughs> um, Somehow, uh, despite our differences. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Apple TV got brand new storage limits. Does that mean I'm going to be Xbox gaming on my Apple TV, Joe? Uh, probably not, um, because it doesn't have that kind of horsepower, but it's... Uh, it has it ain't has more horsepower than some of the older consoles, but I just mean in terms of like an Xbox One, no. Um, but the storage limits happened a while ago. Uh, it just it was something we had meant to even talk about the last time we talked, and then we didn't even have time uh, to to get through it. But basically, uh, they how should I put this? 
they had really conservative limits on storage uh, for the fourth generation Apple TV when it was introduced. Uh, and it was something where it was sort of a head scratcher because they had also introduced two models uh, with different storage uh, capacity. So there was a 32 gigabyte uh, model and a 64 gigabyte model. And a lot of people bought the 64 gigabyte model because they're like, oh, I'm going to play lots of games, so I'll need this. And then that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> but part of the reason that storage goes unused uh, and why nobody with a 32 gigabyte Apple TV has ever hit their storage limit or come close is because the the apps all have uh, basically a 200 limit on the app itself. And then there's a two gigabyte limit on downloadable stuff. And then there's... Uh, it, flushes things so mm. there's there's nothing else like you can't do anything like you basically have 2.2 ish gigabytes so i'm just gonna say 2.2 i know that's not exactly the number but whatevs uh Works so they have, they have they have 2.2 gigabytes of storage per app so you'd have to have a ton of apps that have local storage most apps are streaming apps streaming video apps and they don't come close to that uh now the new uh, limits are significantly higher uh, in in that you're going to be able to store uh, oh god what was the exact number I don't want to get this wrong but uh, you can well apps can be 4 gigabytes and oh, yeah, 20 gigabytes, 20 gigabytes. Of, yeah yeah so this is a very different stance where uh, the storage that you're going to consume can potentially be the entire storage space of a 32 gigabyte apple tv um because uh, you're going to use 20 gigabytes uh of on-demand resources for a game uh now obviously the media streaming apps aren't going to do that i think a lot of people think like for some reason that it's caching a lot of video and it totally is not doing uh. that at all uh it, so d don't have some fantasy where like oh my media library become nope that's not how that works at all <laughs> uh but it's just for like game resources mainly um and so the you'd basically have like one sophisticated game i guess and then it would purge on demand as needed if you had some other sophisticated game you had downloaded um so people with the 32 gigabyte model might be less happy over time, but people with the 64 gigabyte model will be like, "Oh, finally, my investment has paid off." Um, that that <laughs> the, the extra fifty dollars I paid a year and a half ago uh, is finally worthwhile. But the that presupposes anybody is going to use this to play video games, because uh, again, still, if you look at the the app store and the games that are there, it's sad. It's real sad. Super sad. The biggest sad. How sad is it? It's, it's twenty gigabytes of sad. Um, no, they <laughs> they have they have just nothing really because they're the restrictions that Apple had placed on it had basically made it almost uh, had made it financially untenable for people to develop for this platform, and Apple's own lack of commitment to video games uh in any significant capacity other than hey you can run around and collect coins aren't in-app subscriptions and purchases great uh so there that that is the extent of their their lust for games but this move signals that they're maybe potentially working with somebody outside of the company who's like hey guys uh we're electronic arts or activision or whatever like we would like uh, we we would like to 
have some storage space so we could do the thing that you're asking us to do because it tells me Apple probably approach somebody if it's like hey we need to develop for our platform and then they're like oh um yeah about that we can't put anything in four gigabytes <laughs> like literally nothing and then it's like oh well what if we what if we made it bigger uh so I I feel like they're working with some third party and that this signals that they're gonna have some big announcement and they'll be like look. It's Call of Duty or whatever. If they bring The Sims to Apple TV, I will crap. I love <laughs> The Sims. That's like the only game that I actually care about. I, I I really I don't I don't game. I don't have anything on my Apple TV for gaming. I have Mini Metro on my iPhone as the only game on there, and I haven't launched that in like six months. I don't even know if it's been out that long. Mm-hmm. But um, I friggin' love The Sims, and if they brought that to Apple TV, <gasps> that'd be so awesome. Um, and then I would finally have something else to do with my Apple TV other than stream Netflix and stream dog TV. Yeah. Uh, and his, as we've said in the past, it is mainly a Netflix streaming device, uh, full of bugs. And, uh, the, there's some speculation at the time when this had happened, uh, with, oh, I seem to have made a typo in something. Oh, I was like, did he just go? I thought. I no, thought no, no, no. Uh, so anyway, uh, there's a uh, J- James Thompson and Neil Kremens uh, were talking on Twitter uh, about speculation that it could be uh, this could signal that there's a 4K uh, so-called 4K UHD um, version of the Apple TV on its way. Because uh, storage space like that could easily be taken advantage of by uh, something that is four times the size of an HD resolution image, and it's like, oh, maybe that's maybe that's what they're doing. So I speculated on that a little bit on uh, a blog post that I had from a while ago. I can't even believe I used to write uh, at this point because I've been so busy. <laughs> but uh, but my, I started some rampant speculation about like what that would mean for the product and like what what they would introduce, and it's just like, well. I don't know if it's worth even bringing up at this point, but uh, I was just like, you know, it would be nice if they refreshed it because as I've pointed out in the past, it has a premium price, um, but it it has no real premium features other than right. its app store, um, which, like we said, is virtually worthless. Uh, so if they move to capitalize on all of this and have some refresh that takes advantage of it being premium then perhaps it will be a more worthwhile product. But, uh, you know, when people ask me what they should buy, I, I do not direct them towards the the Apple TV right now. I do not feel like it is a worthy purchase. And if they can hold out and wait, then, yeah, do that. And if they're like, oh, I have a third-generation Apple TV, it's like, okay, well, just keep using it until it breaks because there's, there's, it's not worth you buying the other thing unless you're, like, real gung-ho about, something about it yeah as a as a home kit focused home automation enthusiast the apple tv is uh, a good device to have because it can do all of the automations and make all of the connections for you while you're out of the home um and even while you're in the home if your phone has trouble reaching um like in my house where i have for some reason the thickest doggone plaster on all the walls uh if your phone has trouble reaching um, a device, then the Apple TV can kind of serve as a relay to communicate uh, with things. And so, yeah, that that's like one of the main functionalities, other than the fact that like I literally 
just am on Netflix. The Office pretty much just plays on a loop in the background um, all day, every day when dog TV isn't on. And um, so it, you know, works as that, but you could get something for much less money that would also let you play the office on a loop in the background. Um, so it's, you know, it's multiple things for me. It's the fact that I bought the Apple TV right after it came out because I was excited about it. Um, and then it turned out that I could use it as a relay device for um, HomeKit, which was great. And um, then after that, it's just kind of been sunk cost. I don't want to buy something else and replace it because I spent the money on um, the Apple TV already. And then I got a free Apple TV uh, to switch out the third gen Apple TV that I had that doesn't do HomeKit Relay anymore um, for another fourth gen, which does. So uh, basically, I have a mesh network of HomeKit relays throughout the home, which is really nice um, whenever I'm you know trying to switch lights on and off and all that jazz. Uh, but yeah, it's um, it, I, there's, there's a line in here that I adore in your article. Uh, they'll replace the effing remote. Uh, that's great. But yeah. Uh, the remote's, the remote is still so terrible. But um, It's uh, awful. And there's a huge third-party market of like silicone um, sleeves and gloves and things like that that go over the Apple TV remote to try to make it a better to hold and better to orient in your hand device. And, uh, yeah, I encourage everybody, like, you have an Apple TV, it's just kind of fun and funny to go to Amazon and look up uh, Apple TV remote case or something like that. And you'll just see this huge uh, swath of different devices that you are rather uh, like wood and metal and silicone and all these other things that you could connect to it to try and make it a, a better uh, thing to hold in the hand. Yeah. Um, and to do some follow up, because we had talked about uh, the fourth gen and, and HomeKit last time, um, I have uh, set up the, the iHome switch, the one that you don't like. Oh, nice. And uh, I, I set it up with uh, with HomeKit and I used the, the fourth gen Apple TV. Um, it took some, I don't know what happened exactly. Um, there seemed to be something where it was like not seeing that that I had HomeKit enabled, and so it didn't show me the thing on the Apple TV. But then, like, I kept going in and out of menus, and I'd restarted oh, and stuff. Oh yeah, that part is the worst. Trying to get it to activate the first time. Yeah, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I don't. Why is that hard? That doesn't make it because like they didn't even <laughs> make a mention of it. Because I was like, I'm looking at their website because uh, Apple has all those support pages, um, which are very helpful sometimes, and it doesn't make any mention of why that shouldn't be working. It's like, here's exactly where it is. I'm like, it's not listed yeah. under the thing. Like it's not even grayed out or anything. So it's just like, okay. And it then has it has to do a weird server side uh, thing that will then, you know, show the menu on your Apple TV. And if that, you know, that kiss doesn't happen in the background, then you, it won't show up in your Apple TV. And people have had to go as far as like logging out on every single one of their devices and logging back in and uh, switching home kit back it's ridiculous the troubleshooting that you have to go to for what is essentially a bug where the connection isn't the the you know the sign up isn't getting pushed from your device to the server to the apple tv and i think that's ridiculous i think that yeah it should just be a grayed out option and maybe when you click on it then it you know talks to the server and says oh yeah joe does have home kit set up so we'll just pop this open and now it's ready yeah well anyway it's convoluted but it's set up and uh, I set up a few automated actions, and that's actually kind of fun to do. 
uh, on the, the iPhone with the interface for that for the home app. Um, so I have it set up to uh, turn on my light uh, when I get within a certain distance of my home and it's nice. it's after six o'clock. So nice. it actually freaked me out the first time when I opened the door because <laughs> I forgot I had set it. Uh, and so I was like, why is the light on? Was it on this whole time? And I was like, wait, I did it. I, it, was, <laughs> it was the thing that I did. Uh, it was me. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, it worked. Uh, and then, so that's that's been exciting. And of course, I made sure, like I had said before, I wanted something that worked with both platforms. Like we both agree that's a thing. We just have different switches. But the, you know, I also tell uh, Aguilera to turn on the uh, lights whenever I, I need it. And that's nice. And she just says, okay. And that's that's it. And I, I like it. Um, yeah, me too. I love the um, the swiftness with which it happens, and yeah, that just nice, uh, pleasant. Okay, and then it's it's done. Uh, it's, it's really good. So yeah, I think that all it's. I'm pretty impressed just in general. Um, I haven't had a chance to use Google Home yet, but um, f- as far as you know, the other platforms go, the connection to home automation um, is pretty impressive, and it's something that. Um, I have obviously come to adore. And in the future, uh, we will talk more about home automation and um, I'll share some of the different uh, stories and and, uh, things that I've set up. And um, I get new products in all the time that I'm testing and and trying out. So be able to talk about those as well. But I suppose we should round out this episode of unhelpful suggestions. What do you say? We're done. <laughs> Go away, everybody. Yeah. Pack it up. Go Nothing play to see with here. iPads with your with. Uh, damn it! I can't even. Nope. Done. Okay. Bye. <laughs> uh, alrighty.